Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Gucci Best Friend Podcast. I'm your host Coco, aka Cornelia Slunsky, and today I have a really fun episode. It's about dating. Shocker. Okay, let me tell you about my guest. Her name is Ilana Dunn, and I saw her videos on TikTok, Instagram, and I was like, I love her vibe. So I was like stalking her a little bit, scrolling through her videos, and then I started listening to her podcast. She has a podcast called Seeing Other People. And then I just like slid into her DMs and I said, hey, I love your vibe and I would love to have you on my podcast. And she said yes, luckily. So you're about to hear from Ilana. Another fun fact about her, she used to work for Hinge. She was their main content creator. So she created a lot of dating content and dating is something that she talks about a lot. So I think this episode is going to be really fun. I felt like I'm sitting down with a friend just like chatting about dating and we also shared some uncomfortable personal stories that made us both uh, sweat, which you're going to see uh, when we get to that part. Before we get into the episode, it would mean so, so much to me if you would leave a five-star rating and a review. It takes just like a few seconds and it means so so much so please do me that wonderful favor and leave a rating and review and now let's hear from Ilana. Hi Ilana how are you doing? I'm good I'm so excited to be here how are you? I'm great and I first need to apologize in advance to all of our listeners I am in the midwest right now so if you hear any banging on anywhere or like people mowing the lawn that's it's out of my control so welcome again and i'm dying to hear your entire story well i'll try and keep it short and sweet but i do tend to be long-winded but i actually was working in the music industry for a while and at the time i my dating life was an absolute dumpster fire and i also was falling out of love with music because just the way the music industry is and so i was really lost in work in romance and i was looking for new jobs outside of the music industry and i ended up stumbling upon this role at hinge and i was like oh you know, I really wanted to get into music to help people, but that's clearly not happening. So mm-hmm. if I could use my skills and like with what I've learned in school, what I've like my marketing skills, my video editing, all this content stuff that I've learned to help people not have their dating experiences end up as much of a shit show as mine are. Like if mm-hmm. I could use what I know to prevent one single person from feeling the way I feel right now, then that would be the greatest thing ever. And I ended up applying to this job at Hinge and getting it. And my title, I started as video and content producer. I um, I was there for a little over two years. I ended as their lead content creator. And my job description was the face of Hinge. So <laughs> I spent over two years there, you know, creating tons of content for their socials. I was on the story every day talking about different dating topics, trying to help people really have better dating experiences. And I ended up starting a podcast for them called Dating Sucks. And <laughs> as I started doing that, I was like, oh, wow. I'm Light actually pretty moment. good at this. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I, I, I don't I don't know that I'm good at it, but this is what I love to do. And so I was just dying to dive headfirst into that. And I launched seeing other people in the beginning of 2021 and haven't looked back. Let's back up a bit. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? What was your major? Give me a little background. Yes. I grew up in Westchester, New York, so right outside of the city. 
I went to Syracuse University where I studied television, radio, film. That was my major and my minor was music business. And then you were kind of falling out of love with music. And then how did you even come across a job at Hinge? Were you just looking for jobs to apply or how did that happen? I was spent about six months desperately trying to find a new job. I, it was a mix of like, I was so lost and didn't know which way was up or like I was applying to jobs that were like three year rotational programs where I'd have to do a year of finance. And I was having like these guys I went on dates with like them and their roommates do my application projects for me. So like, I was so desperate to just like get a different job. But at the same time, the other part of me wanted to get a job that felt really meaningful. And my cousin at the time worked for Fuck Jerry and they were partnering with Hinge on like meme content. And for months he was saying to me, I wish Hinge was hiring. You would fit in with their marketing team so well. And for months they weren't hiring, but I was checking every single day just in case. And one day, one morning he texted me being like, oh my God, Alana, look at this job. And he sent it to me and I'm like, the job description, every single one of the requirements, it was like, okay, I know how to do all of these things. I'm just doing them in music. Mm -hmm. So it was really this like perfect storm of, of me wanting to get out, not having found the right thing, this job appearing. I did have somebody who could introduce me to the hiring manager. And um, I later found out that I'm actually the only person they interviewed for the job. After I came in, they were like, we're hiring her. Wow. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about Hinge. You got a job as their, what, main content videographer? What was the actual role? So it was video and content producer. I basically ran their social media for mm -hmm. over two years. Um, I had different segments, different video segments, story segments that would go out every single day of the week. Um, everybody kind of knew, like, on Monday, it was this show called Why Though. On Tuesday, it was the show called Dumper Deal, where people could vote on, you know, like, I'd ask people on the street they still use their ex's Netflix. Would you like dump <laughs> them or deal with it? And then people could tune into the stories and play along and vote. Um, and then a ton of content for the feed and always just interacting with the followers and users in the DMs trying to figure out, you know, what are their biggest pain points and how can we help? I can't even begin to imagine how it was working at a dating platform. Were you exposed to all these topics or like, give me a little, I, I just can't even imagine how it was like, I, because my content is mostly about dating and my head is constantly filled. People are constantly telling me, talk about this, talk about this, talk about this. I'm like, there's so much. I don't yeah. even know where to start. So well, how did you it navigate It is interesting that? because yeah, there was, like you said, like there's just so much, but the cool thing was like, I mean, it was very much a startup when I joined, I was the 35th employee and it was the mentality of like, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, try whatever you want. And if it works out, great, we'll keep doing it. And the whole company was filled with all these people who really just wanted to help other people find love. And so any dating struggle that anyone experienced, you know, we'd be talking about it. Um, I even remember like my first few weeks, I was doing all this research on like, why do you guys send dick pics? It's like, there so was why no, do, why, yeah. okay, let's just tell me, you know, I never got to the answer. <laughs> I never found an answer. <laughs> Mystery continues being why yep. guys should never, because if, if there's any men listening to this podcast and probably it's only my brother, please don't 
like send thick pics nobody wants them no literally nobody i did just see an article though bumble has done a lot of work to try and make it actually illegal and now in some states it is like you could actually be fined for sending a dick pic Wow. I learned something new today. Love that. What would you say with like creating all this content and being in the podcast world and everything? What would you say is the question that keeps on repeating? Why everyone else and why not me? I think is a really common theme among my listeners and my followers where, you know, especially in the age of social media, it's like, all we see everywhere is these happy couples. And Mm -hmm. realistically, not all of them are actually happy. Most of them are probably hanging on by a thread, but that's not what Mm -hmm. we see. We see that everybody else can find love except for us. And it makes us wonder, what am I doing wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Am I not enough? Am I not deserving of this? And that's so difficult when the reality is like dating is really hard and finding the person to spend your life with and to, you know, like grow this lifelong partnership with, it is hard. And yes, we have dating apps. So we have thousands of people at the tips of our fingers, but dating apps in a way, yes, they've made things easier by, you know, making dating more accessible, but there are a million other difficulties that come with them. And we were never really taught how to use them properly. So I think the biggest question that I get is like, what am I doing wrong? Why is it not working for me? Funny enough, one of my things when it comes to my dating advice is that I'm not a fan of dating apps because obviously I know a lot of success stories. I know, you know, all the pros, but I feel that dating apps made dating too casual. And it's like, okay, well, if it doesn't work out with this one, the next one, the next one, the next one. And when people create these profiles, you know, it's like a curation of who you are. But again, I I know it works. So I'm I'm accepting them. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not against them. So I would love to hear from you when it comes to curating your dating profile. I'm sure that's something you talked about many, many times. But please, for our listeners, do you have like a special formula or like some tips and tricks? Or what do you think? Yes, I definitely have tips and tricks. But I want to just kind of touch on what you just said and and Mm -hmm. put it out there that There's I think there's this whole mentality that, you know, if the dating apps aren't working for us, like our dating life is never going to work out. Mm -hmm. But dating apps are just one way to meet people. And it's not like bars disappeared. It's not like parties (laughs) went away when dating apps came around. And so people put all of this pressure on dating app success. And if they're not having success, then their whole dating life is a failure. Like there are a million other ways to meet people. Our parents met without dating apps. Our grandparents met without dating apps. Their grandparents met without dating apps. It's Mm -hmm. like dating apps are not the only answer. That being said, they Mm -hmm. are a great tool for many people. So tips and tricks. The biggest problem I see for women specifically, and I part of what I do now is I actually like meet with people one-on-one to revamp their dating app profiles. Mm-hmm. Almost every girl that comes in and sends me their profile, I'm like, okay, this is great. If, you know, this is your Instagram feed, if you're trying to make girlfriends, sure, mm-hmm. I would think you're cool and maybe be a little intimidated. This is not attractive to a guy. You know, yeah. a guy doesn't want to see you standing there with your sunglasses halfway down your face, sipping your iced coffee, staring out into the distance in like a crop top and <laughs> shorts. Like that doesn't say anything about you. In fact, that just makes you look basic and like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I think people try really hard to make this like perfectly aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. curated profile. 
but they're doing themselves a disservice because they're not actually showing off their personality, like the interesting, fun things about them that a guy would actually get excited about and want to get to know more about them. So that's the biggest thing specifically for women is like, use your photos specifically to show off different parts about you. What do you like to do? Where are places you've been? What activities do you like? Do you play a sport? Like, you know, what are you doing when you're smiling? Are you at the dog park when you're happiest? Like, great, show a picture of you surrounded by a bunch of puppies and write a caption on that picture about how the dog park is your happy place. Like, Mm -hmm. show a picture of you stuffing your face with your favorite type of food and ask them if they have a favorite, like, pad thai place in whatever city you live in you know you want to give get very specific about what you're interested in so that they can actually start to you know have these connection points like oh i'm obsessed with pad thai like i need to show you this place in my neighborhood it's a hole in the wall but i'd love to take you so i think that's one thing with pictures like make sure your pictures are telling a story and then with your prompts especially make sure you're not just being cliche trying to be funny trying to be witty like that gets you nowhere And chances are they've already seen these exact answers on hundreds of other profiles. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I posted a while ago three dating prompts that are going to eliminate low effort men. And then (laughs) a lot of my followers started using the same prompts. And then they started sending me screenshots of guys telling them, where did you guys see this? Because I've seen every single girl posting the same prompts. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I have to work on my prompts a little more. Because my entire thing with like how I became this dating coach is like no coffee walk dates. And I'm very curious what you think, because for me, it's like when you're a girl that has a lot of, you know, you have a lot going on, you know, you maybe you have a business, you have a podcast, you have a nine to five, whatever, like you have a lot of shit going on. So like, I'm not going to go on a date with a guy who's like offering you a coffee. If there's a guy who is offering maybe, you know, something better. And guys are usually like, why would I take a girl on a a date that's not, you know, I don't know you. Why would I take you on an expensive date if I don't even know you? But I'm like, just tell me, tell me what, what is your opinion on coffee walk dates? Yeah. So, well, I was listening to your episode about this in Mm -hmm. particular. And I, at first I was like, okay, I'm curious to see what she says. But then when you were explaining how much more you can learn about somebody, even from like the first five minutes of walking into a restaurant, I totally agree with you. And I definitely like I have suggested to people like the coffee walk date if they, you know, they don't drink or during COVID when you couldn't really go to restaurants. But I've never gone on a coffee date before. If somebody asked me, I would not have been excited. I probably would have felt really awkward about it. Like, okay, no, I need my little drink of social lubricant. (laughs) I think it doesn't necessarily have to be dinner, but at least, you know, an activity or a drink where you can get an appetizer. And I would also appreciate that if I like would go on a drink state and they would say like, oh, like, let's get some stuff to snack on or like, are you hungry? You know, because mm-hmm. that shows that they're thoughtful and like realistically. Like, and they I mean, want to take relation- care of you. Yeah. Yes. In my relationship now, like my boyfriend and I have never gone to a bar to get a drink and not gotten food. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's a huge mm-hmm. part of it. And And similarly to you, like, I want to know what they're going to order for the table. And like, I want to order for the table. I know that they're going to like it too. So I think I agree. You can learn so much more about someone from a more official kind of date. And I say more official because I feel like a coffee walk date is almost like a a half date. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, is that even the first date if you're grabbing coffee 
and or going for a walk or is it just like a first little meetup? It's so like a first, I, first glance. Like this is why right. I always say and people fight me on this, but I'm like, guys just want to see if you're hot enough. And that's just a fact because in the beginning, guys are not really looking to fall madly deeply in love with this girl. Yeah. They just like want to check you out. So that's like the vibe check. And for those who uh, don't know what Ilana was talking about, this podcast that I dropped, I posted a short, short episode why dinner is the best first date option in my humble opinion so i'm gonna link that in the show notes but uh, please go ahead when it comes to dates like what would you suggest if somebody is maybe a little shy because not everybody is you know like just comfortable sitting there with let's say a stranger if they just met on a dating app like do you have any tips when it comes to like shy people (laughs) not even shy people but you know what i mean but yeah i mean look dating is is hard it's intimidating like you know it feels like there's a lot of pressure on every single date and you want to be able to feel relaxed and be yourself and and try and come out of your shell a little even if it takes a little longer. I think one of the greatest not I don't want to say inventions but the greatest concepts ever is a board game bar. Interesting. I've never heard of that. There, there I know a few of them in New York City and I know like a bunch in like the San Francisco Bay Area, like LA, like they have like they're just the entire wall is packed with all these board games, card games, like all different games. And if you don't have a specific place like that in your town or city, you know, a lot of bars have Jenga or bring a deck of cards, anything like that. So there's this third thing that you're focused on. It's you, the other person and this other thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so fun. It brings out like the competitive side. It can help with like the flirting. And I just think it's a really great way to, you know, get across your personality without having to try too hard or, you know, focus on every single thing you're about to say next. I'm mind blown. I never. I lived in New York for seven years, and I've never heard of uh, board game bars. Okay, thank you for yeah. <laughs> they're the best. Just Google like board game bars in Denver, Denver mm-hmm. board game bars in wherever, and and sometimes they could be like coffee shop slash bars. Like I know mm-hmm. some places that will have all the games. It'll mainly be a coffee shop, but they also have beer and wine. Mm-hmm. When it comes to clothing, I get that question a lot. Do you have any advice when it comes to outfits for a first date? All you need is one. Tell me. Tell me more. It's the beauty of it. All you need is one first date outfit that you feel comfortable in. You feel hot and sexy and you feel like, okay, this is an outfit. I'm not going to be sitting like I I know I look good. I know I feel good in it. And I know that I'm not going to be showing up to this date like focused on what I'm wearing and if it looks good or, you know, if I need to like sit up taller because of my stomach folding over in these Mm -hmm. jeans that are uncomfortable, like whatever it is, we all have a million different body image issues. I think the best thing you can do is find one outfit that you Mm -hmm. feel really good in. And every first date is with somebody different if it's a first date. (laughs) So just make it your first date date outfit. I did. It was like a black kind of tight turtleneck with jeans and black leather boots. And Mm -hmm. I didn't have to think about it because that's my biggest thing also with like getting ready for something, especially something where there's a little bit of pressure on it, whether it be a date or an event or, you know, going to a friend's birthday where I know there's mm-hmm. going to be like an ex there or something like that. It's like I freak the fuck out. I panic. Mm-hmm. It, this is like the scene in the movie where there ends up being like the entire closet all over my bedroom. <laughs> I feel like nothing looks good on me, even though I've worn these things a million Dying. times before. You don't want to get into that right before a date because that's going to mm-hmm. throw off your whole mood. Mm-hmm. So Figure out your first date outfit. A little tip I have is go through your phone and scroll and 
find that outfit that you felt so sexy and confident in. You're going to see. You're going to see when, you know, you have like 30 photos of the same outfit. You're going to see like, okay, I felt so good that day. But don't make it too sexy. Don't make it, as you said, like this is something my dad told me when I was, I don't know, in my teenage years. And I was wearing a dress that was like a little too short. He didn't give me shit that my dress is too short. He's like, you keep on pulling your dress and you just keep on like focusing on your dress. Just like don't wear it <laughs> wear something yeah. that you feel comfortable in because then you're just going to focus on the person and the conversation tell me about your podcast how come you started your podcast seeing other people love the name the backstory is so for the first year that i was at hinge i had this very strict rule for myself where i was not going to talk about my dating life at all my fear was that somebody would not want to date me because of my job and mm -hmm. i did not want that to happen so I never once spoke about my dating life. Nobody knew what was going on. If I was in a relationship, if I was single, nothing. About a year in, I was going through a breakup. And I was having a really, really difficult time with it. And I couldn't just, you know, like get on the story and talk about like motivate people and tell people like it's going to be great. You guys like go on that date, respond to that text, send that message, whatever it was. Because I was sitting there in this hotel room in Los Angeles visiting my boyfriend, who now is my ex-boyfriend, hysterically crying. Mm -hmm. And so I decided like, all right, let's try something different. And I recorded this video where I, I mean, you could like, my face was puffy, like I just finished crying. And I was like, hey guys, like, so usually you are the ones coming to me for advice, but I'm gonna, you know, turn the tables. I'm actually going through a breakup right now and I'm having a really difficult time with it and I don't even know if I want advice or words of encouragement. I just like want to know how you guys have gotten through hard times like this. And if there's anything you can say to me that might make me feel like 1% better, something like that. And the DMs blew up. Like I've never seen anything like this. And it was all of these people not even just not even giving advice, but just reaching out to thank me for showing them this side, for making this side of dating public and showing that it's really hard for everyone. And so that was really this moment of like, wow, like if I want to help people, the way to really do that is to be real and vulnerable and share how hard it's been for me. And so I, that's what made me want to start a podcast there, which was to, you know, have this place where I could talk about different dating topics at length and then also bring in guests who were experts in different fields. So, you know, one of the first episodes that was really meaningful for me was bringing in a therapist to talk about dating anxiety and how to manage that. And so as this was happening in, in podcast for Hinge, I was just like, this is making like such an impact and really really helping people. Like the fact that I'm opening up about all of these dating struggles that I've experienced, it's like the responses were just so powerful because everyone was able to listen or watch and realize like, oh, I'm not alone or I'm not the only one that feels this way. Like Alana's actually been through this too. And that was just like my entire goal with it that I didn't even know at the time. And so that's really why I wanted to start seeing other people so I could, you know, not only continue to share my stories, but I also have I have two types of episodes every week. So one where I bring on like an expert guest. And then on Thursdays, I have a series called Unfiltered, where my listeners come on anonymously to share what they've been through and how it's impacted them and what they wish they knew when going through it. So 
my whole goal and like purpose with the podcast and all of the content that comes with it is to just help people feel less alone in their dating lives. I I absolutely love this. And I feel that a lot of people are breaking up recently. And I started posting more about, you know, going through a heartbreak and how to deal with it. So I would really love if you can share a few things that you think could help our listeners now that might be struggling. That feeling that you're just so sad. You're, you're, you just don't see, you just don't see it for yourself anymore. You're like, okay, this was my person and something, you know, happened and and then you just think like, okay, well, I guess I'll be forever alone, but you won't. That's something that yeah. I, I promise you and you're not going to be alone for the rest of your life. So please tell me like just a few tangible tips that somebody can implement today if they're going through a heartbreak. I think some of the biggest lessons I've learned turn into advice that I can give is the first thing is you need to figure out what you learned from the relationship. This is something that I learned when I was going through a breakup and having a really hard time with it. And one of my coworkers actually said to me like, well, I was, it was like three months in to the breakup. And I'm like, I still haven't even started to move on. And mm -hmm. I was really, really frustrated. And it was so painful for me that I still felt like day one breakup three months in. And she's like, well, have you figured out what you learned from the relationship yet? And I'm like, yeah, I learned that I'm fucking heartbroken. What do you mean? <laughs> and then she's like, no, Alana, like really like, what did you learn from this person, from the relationship that you can take with you as you move forward in dating and, and trying to, you know, find that person that's not this person? And I was like, whoa, I had never thought about it that way. I'd never thought about it at all. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, you know, like this relationship was really wonderful for so long until it wasn't. And what I was able to take away was I know how I want to be treated. Because mm -hmm. finally, somebody treated me in the way that felt really good for me and the way I felt like I deserved to be treated, which had not happened for so long before that. And so that on one hand, it was a really painful takeaway because mm -hmm. it's like, well, I did have this person who treated me this way. But now moving forward, I wasn't going to let anybody treat me less than that. So mm -hmm. I think figuring out what you learned, whether it's, you know, you learned what you're not willing to put up with, what you're not willing to accept. You learned what doesn't feel good. You learned what type of person you don't want to be with. You learned that you really do need to be with somebody who wants to, you know, raise their kids in the same religion as you or wants to have kids. Like whatever it is, you have to figure out what you learned. Another thing. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just, just nodding. I'm like, yeah, exactly. And sometimes you just need to learn what mistakes you made in the relationship yeah. because we all think like oh it's always the other person i was a, such a perfect partner but probably you had you know there's some things that you can also fix like i remember before when i was younger i was more insecure than i am now i mean i have my days i feel like i'm generally i'm very secure but you have your moments like you you just have to see that you know, sometimes maybe it's not the other person, maybe it's something that you need to work on internally, and you need to see where is this insecurity coming from? And like, what can you do to not bring that baggage into your next relationship? Because maybe your ex boyfriend, you know, maybe he was flirting with all these random girls, and that make you feel insecure. But then you, as you said, like, you learn that that's not the type of relationship you want to have later on, because like, you can learn from every negative experience. And now it's such a cliche thing to say that, you know, one day you're going to look back and see why all these things happen, but you really will. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, pointing out even little things like there was this guy I dated for about six months, it was 
right before the pandemic started, we had gone on like eight dates and then we ended up doing like long distance until summer of 2020. But, you know, there was this time in between like the first few early dates where he wasn't really texting me and I would be sitting there thinking like, oh my God, this guy hates me. And I was like, but then he keeps asking to see me again. So like, I'm really confused. So I finally said to him in person when we were on a date, like, I'm a little confused because I feel like everything is so great when we're together and I leave like on a high and then I just don't hear from you. But then Mm -hmm. you do ask to see me again. So I'm like, I just so confused. And I don't know if like, I'm a really big texter and you're not, or if like, you're not, we're not on the same page, but like, let me know. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea you felt that way. I'm really not a big texter, but if it would make you feel better for me to text you more, I can do that. And that was like, oh my God, I can ask for what I need and see if that person can then meet my needs. Like that was the craziest concept in the world to me, but it took, you know, going through this experience for me to learn that. And that's something I was able to, you know, it didn't work out, but that's something I was able to take into any dating situation moving forward that we all have needs and the other person can't read your mind. But what you can do is express those needs and two things can happen. One, you realize that they can't show up for you in the way that you need them to. Or two, you give them the opportunity to and they can. And if it's the first one, well, you'd rather figure that out sooner than later. And if it's the second one, then great. This is something totally not related to a dating, but I mean, it is, but like not what we're talking about right now. What do you think about keeping in touch with your exes? So that was going to be my my next thought on okay. the uh, breakup advice. Um, <laughs> I I tried. I think every single breakup, whether it was like a, a real like long term relationship or a situationship, whatever it was, I I would fight for those things to continue, and then I would fight to stay in touch. Uh uh-uh. uh why uh-uh. do people i i i'm just that person i'm just like if i'm done with you i'm so done yeah. but i know that a lot of people want to like continue having this and again you can have a cordial relationship like if you see your ex in public like say hello if you want to like don't you know give him a yeah dirty look but why do people i just don't get it since you just said that you were one of those people who wanted to be in touch with their ex like why Well, I really envy people like you who are like, okay, bye. Um, I think for me, it was it was truly because in all of these situations that I tried to do so, I didn't want it to end. I wanted to have them in my life in any way. But at the same time, having them in my life at a 5% capacity was never going to be enough for me. So I would, you know, try and get more and more and more. And every single time I did this, it would end in me getting even more hurt. And there would be almost a second breakup when they ultimately were like, ultimately were like, Alana, like we need to stop. Like Mm -hmm. we need to cut off contact with each other. Or like in one case, like somebody literally blocked me. And at the time that was the most painful thing in the world. And then a few months later, I'm like, thank God he did that because that was the turning point where I was finally able to start processing the breakup and moving on. And so I really am a firm believer that no contact is the absolute best way to go. And no contact doesn't just mean not texting, not calling, not seeing them. It means not looking at what they're posting on social media, not posting (laughs) things on your story to see Mm -hmm. if they watched it. Like, Mm -hmm. guess what? They'll probably watch it. Doesn't mean a fucking thing. (laughs) It literally doesn't. And we assign so much meaning to these things like, oh, well, did they watch it earlier? Did they wait Mm -hmm. an hour to watch it? Like, no, no. You know what's a a thought 
that I learned, nobody thinks about you as much as you think about yourself. And we're like, oh, they're calculating. When are they going to see my story? And they're just like, at the, they're just sitting in the bathrooms going through Literally. their Insta stories. Literally, like, that's at- what I always say. They're on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I love it. I'm a big blocker in general. I think also when I started like working in the social media space and the moment I see like any negativity, I'm like blocked, block, block. My block list is humongous. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm so jealous because I'm like, I would never, I'm afraid that I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings by doing that when really they already hurt my feelings. You know what I think when it comes to blocking in general, I'm a big blocker. Also, like if somebody hurts me as a friend, you have like you ha- I always give second chances to people. But if you, you know, if you screw me over multiple times, it's on me. Like, you're showing me that you don't appreciate me. You're showing me that you, like, we're just not on the same page when it comes to, like, how, you know, our relationship, whether it's friendship or, like, a romantic relationship. So I'm like, okay, we're just not, not compatible anymore. I, I don't, because you have a limited amount of space in your life for people and your energy just goes that far. So, like, you need to give that energy to people who actually are good for you so if you're keeping all these like half-assed situationships around you you're never even gonna see the guy who's actually there for you I, I just get very upset when girls like let guys I mean vice versa but since my audience is mostly female I just hear from women it's like girls constantly have this guy who are guys who are playing hot and cold and they're like keeping them around what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how can you stop that vicious circle of going hot and cold if it's not blocking? It all comes down to boundaries and having boundaries of what works for you, what doesn't, what you will put up with, what you won't put up with, and what you need. And it, as a woman dating, we see this in the form of like, not knowing if he's talking to other people, but kind of having a feeling that they are, but not being sure where you stand. And it's like, well, there's no actual communication going on. You're not being upfront. You're not sharing where you're at. So therefore, they're not sharing where they're at. And they where they might be is with a bunch of other people. But then we think like, oh, but it's okay for us to go and do that because they're probably doing it anyway. It's like, no, if you really want to find a relationship, you go on dates, you meet people. And as you decide like, oh, this is somebody I want to continue to get to know, continue to get to know that person. You can still I think like go on other dates. If you're there are two types of people, people who can date multiple people at once, until they find somebody they really like people who cannot do that. Mm -hmm. I was always somebody who could not do that. I wanted to, you know, really get a chance to be invested um, in somebody. And at the same time, that did get me in trouble sometimes where I'd get too attached and then it wouldn't work out. And then I'd get all sad and cry for weeks and weeks again. But I, <laughs> I love think- that you're, you and I are so different because like, I'm, I'm the person that, you know, I kept, I'm happily, I'm in a, <laughs> well, I almost said happily married. I'm not married. <laughs> I'm in a very happy relationship right now. But like when my boyfriend and I were kind of just like casually seeing each other, I'm sure he was seeing other girls, like seeing multiple people at the same time until you find that person that you want to drop everybody from your roster i think that's yeah that's what i usually went for yeah i did and i was actually trying that i think after covid i was just like okay now i really want to like date and meet people so i was definitely dating like going on dates with multiple people at a time until i met somebody and with my boyfriend now jake i remember after like our third date I had dates set up with other people. And I remember I was like, 
I don't know. I feel like there could be something here. And so Mm -hmm. I actually texted those other people and said like, hey, I was looking forward to this, but I actually like met somebody that I am interested in and I want to, you know, see it through. I hope you understand. And I've also received that text from people. And I think that's something that everybody respects. Because I love it's it. Honest, yeah, it's, so, it's transparent. So mm-hmm. And I even had a guy send me that text. And then I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm she'd appreciate that so much if she knew you texted that to me. Like, I appreciate you letting me know, like, good luck. I hope it works out. And he texted me like four months later being like, well, it didn't work out. Do you still want to <laughs> like, go get drinks? And I'm like, yeah, like, why not? Mm-hmm. But I think going back to your original question, you know, I really think like setting boundaries and and learning how to set boundaries and learning what your boundaries are is the best thing you can do. I know I'm jumping from one topic to the other, but what about about cheating? Would you ever forgive? Were you ever cheated on? Like, can you talk about cheating a little bit? I have been cheated on. Mm. Um, Various situations. My first exposure to being cheated on was my first boyfriend in seventh grade. We were on the phone He put me in his pocket, kissed this girl, Nicole, who was actually one of my best friends, took me out of his pocket and then told me I just kissed Nicole. (gasps) So that was my uh, first dip in the world of what is his name? He got married last weekend. He got married last weekend. Not to Nicole, but (laughs) (laughs) But, um, no, I had a much more serious situation where um, I was dating this person for almost a year and he wanted it to be kept a secret from one of his friends. And I later found out that um, he was hooking up with other people the entire time in order to, you know, keep pushing that story that we weren't dating. And this is somebody like I was like, I literally went flew halfway across the country to spend a week with his family over the holidays. Like it was very real and very intense and being cheated on, I think is one of the most painful things that you can experience because especially if you have suspicions about it and Did I didn't you have know, suspicions. Like, yeah. And this was before the term gaslighting became like mm-hmm. a buzzword, but I, you know, it was a time where Instagram still had that feature where you could see what posts who people liked. were liking mm-hmm. and who they were following and commenting on. And so I would see all these like girls names come up that he had never talked about, or he'd be following new girls and then like commenting on their shit. And I'd say stuff to him about it. And he'd get mad at me for accusing him of that. He'd call, he'd be like, you're being crazy. Like, stop acting crazy. Like, this is all in your head. You're making things up. And, you know, there'd be times on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights where he wouldn't respond to me. Or I'd call him and he just wouldn't answer. And then I'd start to spiral. And then I would call him 30 times and I would be acting crazy. But that was because I had these suspicions. He shut them down. But they were correct. And it was so painful to, you know, be in a situation where it was like I didn't know which way was up. I didn't know what was reality versus what wasn't. And then when I found this out at the end, I was like, well, you this person has made me feel like I'm absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And this person has made me act crazy because they've been telling me that I'm delusional and making things up when those things were actually reality. How old were same- you? I was 24. And, do you, and did he ever admit anything or how did that situation end? Oh, this is the person who blocked me. I found out that he had been hooking oh. up with other people from his friend because I finally was like, we had like broken up and it was just like such a painful situation where I was like, can we at least now like come out with the truth? Because his friend is somebody that I like was working with and was 
seeing often. And I'm like heartbroken, crying every single day. And I, it was very hard to fake it while we were mm -hmm. in it, but then faking it while we were out of it. And I was going through this really tough time was even harder. So I was like, it's time. Like we need to tell him yeah, the truth. I just and need he's to like, know. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, like, he'll never believe you. Like, don't you dare. And then basically he decided to beat me to it and tell his version of the truth to this guy. And so mm -hmm. he, the guy, the friend asked, me to sit down with him and we did and he was like oh it's okay like you don't have to keep lying he told me everything like I know you guys kissed once like don't worry it's okay and I'm like what <laughs> so he that said, was his... wait, your boyfriend at the time he told he told to you as him, a secret for a year told he told him friend. that we kissed once wow and so then I'm like what what are you talking about i'm like literally ask any of my friends ask my roommates i've been sleeping at his apartment for five nights a week for the last six months like what and he's like alana you can stop lying like it's okay like and i'm like like i literally thought that i was crazy i didn't blink since you were this. saying this story i'm like so shocked yeah so basically after that um I don't know if the friend knows the truth to this day. I don't know if they have like a rule where like, we don't talk about Lana. Mm -hmm. I really don't know. But that's when he blocked me. Cause I was like, what the fuck? And, um, at the same time, like, I'm grateful that he blocked me because part of me, I, you know, I mentioned this earlier where I'm, I've always been the person to like fight for these relationships. Mm -hmm. Even after all this, I wanted to be with him and I would have yeah. fought to be with him. And it's so messed up and it's so wrong and I should absolutely have had the mentality of like, shame on you, like, you don't deserve me. But I think when some of us go through situations like that, it makes us feel like worthless, but we attach our worth to that person. And so we're willing to forgive, we're willing to accept it, even though we deserve so much more. Um I'm going to yeah. share a personal story as well. Since we're there, there was this one experience that same thing like i was also completely gas lit the entire time whatever i would bring up it was always like you know that's not true you know they just like do, do the spiraling circle that you know you're like who's this girl who's that who's that and like what's oh, a friend blah blah and then what happened with me is usually when you're in a relationship like that they make you feel that you are worthless without them yep. and that you are never gonna find love again and in my case, I was told that many, many times, like, you're never going to find somebody like me. You're never going to blah, blah. And then you start, you start to believe it. Exactly. Then you start believing that. And then you start because, and again, I'm not a therapist. I don't want to, you know, say that somebody's a narcissist or a love, you know, all these words that are buzzing. But I do feel like I was with somebody who had like narcissistic characteristics. Because like when you, when the love, like when you're in the high stages, when love is so good, like you really feel amazing and you think this is it. Like this is love. This is love is supposed to feel this intense. This is amazing. And then they like shut you down and then you're like, okay, well, I know he loves me because you feel the love, like you feel the love so strong. So I know he loves me. So I guess this is how it's supposed to be. So I have to feel like shit half of the time and then I'm going to feel amazing the other half. I don't know if you're watching this show on Apple TV right now. It's called Bad Sisters. I highly recommend this show to every single person. It is literally about a marriage 
there's five this is again a completely different topic but five sisters one of them is married to a guy who is i think the king of all narcissists and verbal abusers and he's just like destroying her as a person little by little and me watching that show obviously my situation was not that intense but watching that show you just see so many patterns how like when you're in a bad relationship how you start believing that this is what you deserve this is because i don't even know if i'm explaining this right because like you know that you like love is there in whatever weird twisted way like there is some kind of love but they they're telling you the entire time like you're you know you're not good enough you're they're not saying those exact words but maybe like you wear an outfit that you feel so confident and so sexy and they're like this doesn't really look good on you change into something else and then you wear like a super conservative dress and they're like this is great keep that so it's like just destroying your sense of self so they can kind of control it to their own benefit I don't know, like, what do you think about narcissists and like people just like throwing that word around? Like, do you think it's more common than we think? Or people just like are labeling everybody a narcissist who is kind of like treating them like shit? I think there is a problem in our culture right now where we label people as narcissists. They're manipulative. They're gaslighting me, like all of these things, because, you know, something happened, I think, over the last few years where we, came, where we learned about these terms. And we'd experienced them before, but never really had definitions to put to them. It's like giving like a, fa- a name to the face um, or a face to the name. But it's really good that we're learning about them. But we do need to be careful. You know, I have a lot of friends or and listeners who will text me or message me after going on a date with somebody and they're like, oh, like, they're such a narcissist. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, Calm you down. don't know that you don't know this person. Maybe they were super excited and they talked about themselves a little too much. Like mm-hmm. we've all been there, you know. So I think there are different levels of it, and we do need to be a little more careful about that. But at the same time, it is really great that we're learning about these things because they are really big things to look out for. And I think the biggest thing is, and this was definitely something that I experienced, is I couldn't see what was happening. But my friends could. Did yeah, let's let's stay here for a second because did you not see or you you didn't want to see? I think a little bit of both. You know, it started out as my friends coming to me and saying, Alana, like this is the happiest we've ever seen you. We've never seen you this happy. This is amazing. And then a few months later it switched and it was like, Alana, like, this is the saddest we've ever seen you. Like, we don't think you're okay and and we're here for you if you need, and we don't like how he's treating you. And I knew I was sad. But I thought I was sad because, you know, I was fighting to make this thing work. And like you said, like the ups and the downs, like we'd Mm -hmm. be sad for half the time and then be really, really happy the other half of the time. But I didn't want to hear it. And so what I did was I let whatever they were saying go in one ear and out the other. And then I stopped talking to them about this Mm -hmm. guy or Mm -hmm. about what was happening. I pushed them away. Mm -hmm. And I did this with all of my friends. And that made me feel like I needed him even more and because they there it's the isolation phase yeah yep and so but it was like me in this weird way doing it to myself mm-hmm. as opposed to them manipulating me into it mm-hmm. um I was really fortunate that when everything did crash and burn they were all still there to support me and you know they knew it was coming and 
they they weren't mad that I pushed them away. They understood that I was going through something. I mean, this time that I was going through, it was the first time in my life I had ever experienced any ounce of anxiety, but I became severely anxious and severely depressed, and I had never experienced depression before either. And so there's a lot that came with it, and I was going through a lot, and I there were days where I did not want to get out of bed at all. I didn't want to talk to anybody, and so I was really lucky and I to this day I'm really grateful for all my friends who did stick by me even though you know they tried to stop me they tried to stop me from digging this hole deeper for myself um and I said don't want to talk to you don't want to hear from you I know what I'm doing um but then they were there when I needed them it's funny when I was just sharing this tiny bit of my story I got I like my entire body just started sweating yeah as I was saying it and because like muscle memory is a real thing and you sometimes yeah. you just like i had to take my sweatshirt off like as we started this before <laughs> i'm like in my sports bar right Look now like I, I can't, you can't see my pit stains but yeah. they're huge um <laughs> When you're going through something like that, it, it your body is reacting. And I remember when I was going through like some bad times physically, like physically, my body, first off, like I was getting those cramps in my stomach. Like, you know, those cramps when you just like, like, like before an exam, before a really important test, you're like scared. But yeah. this was a different kind of feeling. This was just like, you're, whenever you feel anxiety, at least this is what I think. Your body's showing you something is wrong or you're worried about something. It's like a warning sign. Maybe this person is not good for you or this situation is not good for you. Or maybe you are not thinking about this situation the way you should, but it's a sign that something is off. And I remember, and I don't know if this is TMI for my listeners, but my digestion was literally crazy. Like I, when I was nervous, I would go to the bathroom like 10 times and... I'm like, this is not normal. I shouldn't feel like this. I shouldn't wake up sweating. I shouldn't go to sleep nervous. I mean, I couldn't even sleep. So when you start seeing that your body is on like a fight or flight mode, like you need to do something about it. And I know it's very easy. You know, it's easy for me to say, oh, just block in, break, break up and just leave. But you, you just can't live like that for the rest of your life. I remember, you know, I just asked myself one day when I was, in my past, I was just like, is this what I want? Is this how I want to live? Is this it? Is this the, is this my life? Is this how I'm going to feel every fucking day? No. And then one day you just have to take control because I know it's hard when you live with them. Maybe you have kids, like I am not there. So like, I don't know how that works when you have kids and you know, a family, it's not that easy to just pack up and leave. But if a situation is unsafe, if you as a human being are feeling smaller and smaller every single day, that's not what you should feel with your partner. That's the problem is there are so many people who you know, are at the point where they recognize that something's not right. They don't feel good. They are curious, like, what else? Like, is this it? Mm -hmm. Or can I feel differently? And I think, you know, I, I get asked this often of like, if I, I want to leave, but I don't know how. I think the first thing that you can do for yourself is to tell a friend, a family member, your therapist, whoever it is, like, don't keep it in, like, tell somebody. And you and that person can work together and come up with a plan. And maybe it's a timeline, you know, maybe it's a timeline of like, on this day, you're going to say this thing. And like, I, or like on this day, I'm going to show up with the car and you're going to throw a bag in it, like whatever it is, but 
having somebody to hold you, hold you accountable for actually leaving, I think is the biggest thing because it's so easy to say, you know what, I'm not feeling up to it today. Like I'll do it tomorrow or next Mm -hmm. week or like, oh, but we had today was actually a good day. Like maybe Mm -hmm. there is hope, you know, there's so many ways to be reeled back in. And so I think having somebody for accountability is good. And also, you know, once you put it out there and, and express that, like you feel less alone and it feels a little less scary knowing that there's somebody there for you. I'm just going to share one more thing when it comes to actually realizing that this relationship is not good for you. When you notice that you're, you start to lie to your friends about the reality. That was that ding, ding, ding. I mean, you can be like omitting some parts and just focusing on like the positives or there are a million ways to do it where it's like, you don't even feel like you're lying. You know, you're just Mm -hmm. telling the story that you want to tell them that you want them to hear. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, he didn't, he didn't, um, he didn't smash my phone. I, I dropped it. <laughs> it was an accident. Yeah. So like that. That when my friends situation. were telling me that you know, like this, we they, we don't we don't like how he treats you. I'm like, well, you don't see how he treats me when it's just us. That was mm-hmm. my response. That was my defense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes it was good, but most of the time, again, he was making me feel smaller, making me feel, me feel depressed and anxious, and like I needed him, and like I was nothing without him. And I just didn't realize it. This actually, this entire conversation started from me asking about cheating. So I think that we came to a conclusion that cheating is, at least for me, I don't think I could ever get over cheating. I don't think I was ever cheated on, at least not that I know of. I'm sure I was. I I was never like confronted with that situation. So I think that I could never get over it just because of the type of person I am. I'm like, if you fuck me over, we're done. Like we're completely done. People sometimes tell me like, you know, he promised he was drunk. It's never going to happen again. I'm just like, if you continue this relationship, like you were mistreated, you were disrespected, you were lied to, you were betrayed and you know that. And then you're like, okay, it's fine. That's just, you know, we can continue. I think, you know, there are some people and look, I have seen couples where, somebody got blackout drunk and made out with somebody and Mm -hmm. you know, they're getting married Mm -hmm. and I've seen couples who someone has cheated and they completely broke up, never talked again. I've seen couples try and work through it and it doesn't work out. I think the biggest thing is if you are going to try and make it work and try and forgive, I think there's a difference between forgiving and accepting and Mm -hmm. you need to do both because you could forgive somebody, but then it's always in the back of your mind or you can hold it against them. Still bring it up. Like if you are going to try and be with somebody who has cheated on you, you need to fully 110% accept the fact that it happened and move on. And Otherwise, never notice it. Never, yeah. never mention it again. Yeah. Not in Don't mention fight. it. Yeah. Don't bring it up. Don't have it hanging over your head. Like the elephant in the room, like that's never going to work. And if you're going to do that, if you don't think you can accept it, that's 100% fine. 1000% mm-hmm. fine. Like don't accept it, but don't try and continue on because it's just going to be like so painful for both of you. Well, I know we talked a lot about all the negative sides of, you know, dating and what not to accept, but I would like to talk about some positive things. So would you tell me some green flags do you have any green flags that you're like looking out for? When you feel like you can be relaxed with somebody, you know, and that starts with on the first date where you're not necessarily thinking about what are we going to say next? And, you know, of course, there can be awkward moments, like even my boyfriend and I now, like our 
first date wasn't amazing. It was a little awkward, a little slow, like it was 20 degrees. We were sitting outside, whatever, but it felt easy and kind of natural and and no pressure. I think if you feel like you're trying to impress somebody, that's not good. You want to feel like you can show up as your full self and like be weird and say weird things that you would say to your friends and know that they're going to like roll with it. You know, they're going to like that you said that they're going to accept you for saying those things. So I think feeling relaxed, feeling like you can be yourself around them. And it's funny because these, these green flags that I'm mentioning are things about how you feel as opposed to things that they're doing or saying. And I think that's, what's most important to pay attention to how you feel with somebody. And so are you feeling anxious between dates or if you're not, it's probably because they're texting you or they're communicating with you. You know, they're letting you know where they're at. Maybe they're not texting you every day, but they told you after the first date that they want to see you again and they put something on the calendar. So you don't feel anxious. You're not sitting there staring at your phone, waiting for them to text you because you know where they stand. So I really think, you know, like feeling comfortable, feeling confident, feeling secure. And the best way to get there is by trying to date people who you notice that they're able to openly communicate. I think that's the biggest green flag of all is communication. I think I 100% agree. I think communicating, and that's something I learned with my boyfriend now, healthy communication is literally key of everything. And I'm I'm an Aries and I'm a little dramatic and I'm a little passionate. So sometimes like we're fighting, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like storming out of the room and he's like, yo, where are you going? Like, let's just talk about this. Let's just figure <laughs> this out. And I'm like, oh, okay, shit. I, sorry, I forgot. Like, this is this is a normal, healthy relationship. This this Right. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's an option here. We can do <laughs> that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's and I, I think one of one green flag that I really pay attention to is his friends and his family and how he talks about the family. And obviously I know there's a lot of different family situations and maybe somebody's coming from you know, a broken home. There's a lot of scenarios, but the way that person that you're dating is talking about their mom, their dad, their siblings, their friends. I've noticed that a lot. If they are talking about those people who should be like the closest people in their life and talking negatively about everyone, it just makes me think that they never, they're so not self-aware. They don't know anything about themselves and they just think that the outside world controls them yeah and and that's what like i say and, and i have this video that's kind of blowing up right now about like if you're on a date with somebody and they say my ex is crazy run mm. and if they say all of my exes are crazy sprint <laughs> i don't mean to say like well nobody can have an ex that's crazy like clearly i do but yeah. i and and i would talk about them on date uh, on dates but i wouldn't say my ex is crazy that's not the term I would use. That's mm -hmm. such a blanket term where it's just like, oh, like, yeah, they're crazy. Or like, they were crazy. Like, she mm -hmm. was crazy. Like, that doesn't describe the situation. That doesn't give you any insight. They're blaming the other person. What I say about my quote unquote crazy ex is, mm -hmm. yeah, I was in a really unhealthy situation and mm -hmm. it impacted me a lot. Mm -hmm. I can tell you about it if you want, or we don't have to talk about it. You know, it's the way somebody talks about it. And if somebody defaults to like, my ex is crazy. It's like, well, are they crazy? What did you do? Did they become crazy <laughs> because of something you did? Like, did you, there are people who are literally crazy makers. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that this guy calls me his crazy ex, mm -hmm. but I was not crazy and did not do crazy things 
before him. I did Mm -hmm. these things as a response to his words and his actions. And it Mm -hmm. changed me because I didn't feel safe and I had suspicions and I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, that's a red flag, but Mm -hmm. yeah, to your point, how they talk about their relationships, whether romantic, whether with family, friends, it's like, these are how they view their relationships. Mm -hmm. I have one more question for you, and then we're going to wrap up. Ghosting. What is your opinion on ghosting and how to deal with getting ghosted? I like that you added that part on. Ghosting it's 2022. The fact that like, I've been now making ghosting content for five years of like, why we shouldn't ghost like why it takes 20 seconds or 10 seconds to copy and paste an anti ghosting text from the notes app of your phone that somebody else wrote for you and send that to just be a kind human and not leave somebody wondering what happened? Mm -hmm. Or or, am I going to hear from them? Like, oh my god, it is so freaking easy to not ghost somebody and the fact that people still do is beyond me. That being said, people are getting ghosted every single day. If you get ghosted, here's what you need to realize. This was never going to work out. If this person is the type of person who's comfortable with ghosting somebody, they are A, not ready for a relationship. B, if you see them later end up in a relationship with somebody, don't worry, it's not a good one because they (laughs) don't know how to communicate. So if you get ghosted, it's like, you know what? That sucks, but this is not somebody you would want to be with anyway. They just told you everything you need to know about them because they mm-hmm. can't communicate. They they had the opportunity. Every single second for them was an opportunity to do the right thing and be kind, and they didn't. And you deserve so much more than that. I agree 100%. Like The basic respect, the basic communications when you're dating someone. And okay, maybe if you go on one date, you don't have to give them a an entire explanation why you don't want to see them again. But if you are dating somebody for a while and you're kind of developing something and then somebody just disappears forever, obviously it it, it would never work out. And that is not your person. Exactly. For sure. Ilana, this was amazing. I'm so happy you came on my podcast. Would you please tell everybody where to follow you? Pimp yourself out. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. My body temperature is starting to cool down after all those (laughs) intense conversations. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for having me and to everyone who listened. Thank you. Uh, You can check out Seeing Other People wherever you listen to podcasts or you can follow me on Instagram at Seeing Other People and on TikTok at Alana Zan. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating and a review and subscribe um yeah just say hi and have a share with a friend post on your story (laughs) you guys this stuff goes such a long way for us and it like takes two seconds for you and it means the world it means the absolute world thank you everyone and i'll see you in the next episode